You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. The Podcast Playground. I'm Buzz Knight, the host of Taking a Walk, Music History on Foot. Today, our guest is the Grammy-winning founder of Bare Naked Ladies. He's bringing his wit and wisdom to City Winery in Boston on May 2nd. You know his classic songs, like Brian Wilson, If I Had a Million Dollars, What a Good Boy, It's All Been Done, and so many more. With the band, he sold over 15 million albums. His voice is one of the most enduring voices of our generation. We'll talk with Stephen Page next on Taking a Walk. Well, Stephen, thanks for being on uh, Taking a Walk. Um, do you recall how you got hooked on music? Well, you know, there was always music in my house growing up. My parents listened to a lot of music. My dad was actually a drummer. Um kind of a jazz drummer he grew up being, but he played, you know, played in a wedding band and that kind of thing. Um, you know, occasionally like New Year's Eve, those kinds of shows when I was a kid. And so I would always, you know, I'd hear him practicing, his drums would be set up. Uh, but I think the thing that really made me want to like make music was, I mean, I was obsessed with the Beatles as a kid, uh, who wasn't in a lot of ways, but I remember once listening to, I think it was paperback writer. And I had one of those, t- you know, those, little tape recorders, uh, portable tape recorders before the, before the Walkman with the single earphone that would go into the, the headphone jack and the earphone came slightly unplugged. Um, and the, the signal, I guess, went out of phase and all of a sudden I could hear like the, the bass guitar by itself. 
And I realized that that kind of mass of music that I was hearing, it just sounded like this kind of like, I didn't know what it was. I knew I loved the sound of it, but I didn't realize I could identify individual people playing individual parts. And all of a sudden I could do that. And I went, oh, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to make one of those parts that goes into a this this kind of mysterious mass of music. And do you remember the first time you performed uh, in front of an audience? Well, I was in the school musical of Wizard of Oz when I was uh, seven, and uh, I have no recollection of it. My dad says that um, he remembers watching me, go, you know, it's just whatever, one of the, whatever, the lollipop league or something like that. But I remember my dad saying that when I wa- walked on stage, what, I was very shy and really quiet kid and all of a sudden going on stage and watching my face kind of light up and kind of become this different person i think he felt like then that was the thing that 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 showed him i was a i was a was meant for the stage well besides your dad and the beatles who you mentioned who were some of those other uh, early inspirations well you know choral singing i sang in a choir through all the way through high school um there's kind of all city choir of 100 students from Scarborough, Ontario, where I grew up. And it was, you know, certainly not the coolest thing to be part of, you know, not, not the kind of thing I'd go to school the next day and tell my friends about, but for those three hours of rehearsal every Wednesday afternoon, uh, it was the most amazing sensation to be, um, singing with these other people and making this noise that is, uh, um, you can't make by yourself. You know, you can't just do this thing by yourself. All of a sudden, your voices are combining, and you're stri- you're striving for something that is beautiful. And maybe you can't, as a teenager, express that desire to make something beautiful. So then you just do it. And because I wasn't a sports kid, right? Like I didn't play sports. I didn't really follow sports. So I didn't have any idea what it was like to be on a team trying to make something great and be excellent and singing in a choir did that for me. So that was a big thing. But also the, uh, I became kind of addicted to, to collecting music by the time I was maybe 15, where I had started to understand that like buying a new album could provide me with a whole set of new feelings, like, or a place to go if I wanted to feel a certain way, if I wanted to either be comforted or if I wanted to enhance a feeling that I had, or if I wanted to obliterate a feeling that I had, I could put on a different album. And so every, I would just spend time buying albums. My, I remember my mom yelling at me for spending all my money on records. So I started buying cassettes because they'd fit in my coat pocket, and then she wouldn't know I'd be coming home with records. Um, so that time when I was you know, 15, 16, and I was buying, whether it was just anything I could find in the, in the, in the cutout bins, like where the, where the deleted uh, end of end of run records were that were two ninety nine, And it could be the talking heads or it could be Dexy's midnight runners, or it could be Japan. Uh, I would just become completely obsessed with that stuff. And what was your first concert that you went to? Uh, because my parents were musical and I they actually ran a folk festival, the Mariposa folk festival, uh, in Toronto, when I was really young, I would go to that. But I guess the first concert that I went to without my parents would have been Queen at Maple Leaf Gardens, 1981, I think. I have goosebumps. 
<laughs> How amazing was it? It was great. It was amazing. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was, uh, it was kind of mind blowing just knowing that I was in the same room as those guys. And those are records that I really had gotten to know so well. Um, but you know, the, 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 the shows that really kind of like really changed the way I looked. I remember being a little bit younger, my parents taking my brother and I to go see Harry Chapin and the way he talked to that audience and connected with them to me had such a huge influence and impact. Uh, and then later when I was a teenager going to see artists like, uh, well, Billy Bragg would be a great example. Another person who's like socially conscious, uh, great sense of humor and a real sense of connection to that evening's audience. Like he would always, he'd be in Toronto and he'd be talking about Toronto politics or something like that. How does this guy from England know about what's going on here? Uh, but that really affected me. And I, and I think it really, influenced how I relate to audiences even to this day. So besides uh, musicians who taught you uh, and influenced you on storytelling, who else shaped you in terms of your storytelling? You know, I think there, there, there are certain, there's certainly people in, in comedy uh, that I admire um, comedians who can make you uh, feel more than just kind of like, just more than just cheap laughs. I mean, I love a good cheap laugh. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I love, I love slapstick and I, I like a good bit of cheap comedy, but I think people who really make you think and connect. So whether that's Richard Pryor or, uh, or somebody like, um, uh, you know, another songwriter, but would be, would be Randy Newman, where there's a sense of kind of com- comedy and, uh, storytelling that is um, has multi multiple layers, I guess, and that's that's always been a big a big thing for me. So Boston is a very special place for you. Can you talk about what Boston means to you as you'll be coming to City Winery? Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, we used to when I was in the Bare Naked Ladies. I mean, we played Boston so many times, and the Boston area. I remember, you know, playing at the uh berkeley school of music and the uh somerville theater and um like you know smaller places even before that like paradise rock club and stuff in the early days um and then just slowly but surely through the the mid to late 90s it just kept kind of growing and growing in in a way that was outsized to the rest of the United States where every time we'd come back to the Boston area we'd play a bigger and bigger place i remember playing at what i don't know is it still called harbor lights it's not still called harbor lights is it yeah it's got to have it's got to have some dot com whatever it is now uh crypto crypto lights um but you know, I remember playing down there and kind of like feeling that it was just on the er- on the verge of something huge. Like you could just feel this excitement in the audience. There was always this great connection, just this sense um, of uh, something really special every time we played there. I mean, we we did have we had a record company guy, Andrew Gavatsos, who worked for for Reprise, our record company, who worked harder and better than just about anybody else I knew, and. I mean, we just loved him so much and he loved us and we would kind of do anything for each other. So we had this kind of like sense anytime we came through town that we were going to do something amazing. So then when, when stunt came out in 1998, our album stunt, 
remember we were in New York City playing, I think it was the Today Show that morning, and we had a uh, a record release um, in Boston that day. It was the day the album came out, and we were going to come up. It was um, originally supposed to be at Newbury Comics, and then they said, well, let's do it somewhere bigger because it's going to be a bigger a bigger audience. So we'll do it at City Hall Plaza. And so we uh, we decided, okay, that's fine. We'll do this at City Hall Plaza. We get in the bus in New York City in the morning and drive up. And as we're pulling into Boston, the traffic is ridiculous. Like there's just, it's at a standstill. And we're like, what's going on? Why is this so insane? And they, Andrew Gavazzo's turned to us and said, um, you're what's going on. Um, everybody was heading into City Hall Plaza. And we go and, and set up there. And we were set up essentially for what would have been like an in-store performance. What we would normally, the, the collection of instruments we would bring into a record store to play, we set up in front of what ended up being like 35,000 people. People in the parking garages all around us, on the rooftops, in every window. Uh, and we stayed, we played, and it was, you know, the biggest audience we'd ever played for. Um and we stayed and signed autographs until late that night, probably nine or 10 that night. We signed autographs until the last person was signed for. And um, that kind of that kind of sealed the deal for the special relationship with Boston. Yeah. And you were like practically almost like the house band for a while with uh, uh, WBMX. Uh, That's right. Also. Yeah. But, you know, they were, there were multiple radio stations that were, I mean, that was one thing was quite often there'd be an artist that like only one station would play. And there are multiple stations, the river, et cetera, that, that played us in Boston all at the same time. We had this great, great um, relationship. We were lucky to have that kind of across the board. And it's still a great relationship uh, to this, to this day. That's and right. I know uh, it still means a lot. So can you describe the joy of performing after, you know, COVID and just coming back to life? How, how special is it for an artist? It's re- I mean, in the summer of 2021, when things started to open up the first time, it was like it was the most kind of moving and weird thing. I remember my first show back was in New Jersey and it was in a park. It was a free show in a park. And, you know, thousands of people showed up for this thing. Um, and it poured rain, um, so bad that they had to turn the PA off because things were going to start, you know, blowing up. So I did this show completely acoustic in the pouring rain for this audience who just stuck around and we were so hungry for, for live music. I think now what happened in the, in the year and a half since then is that everybody in the world went out to try to make up all the dates that they missed during COVID and that became the competition out there is so strong that it's really hard to tell whether a show is going to like either be wildly sold out or completely empty. Um, it's uh, it's really unpredictable out there right now. And I don't, I don't know the full explanation. I think people have a lot of choice right now and they're trying to figure out how to spend their concert dollars. So if they decide they're coming to spend it on on me, seems like everybody else is coming to spend it on me. If they're coming to see something else through their town, then you know that I might be the one who suffers. So, talk about your current uh, bandmates. Uh, who are they? And uh, talk about the art of collaborating. Sure. I uh, 
I travel with the Stephen Page Trio, which is myself, um, Craig Northy on guitar. Some people may know him from his his own band, The Odds, um, who are one of the great Canadian rock and roll bands, and he's just a fantastic songwriter uh, on his own, but he also does some some writing with me. Uh, and then I have Kevin Fox playing cello. I've known both these guys for over 20 years, both Canadian guys who I've just, I've always really admired. And we've played together as a trio now for, I guess, about eight years. And I can't imagine it any other way. We've become really close friends and just, you know, we have that kind of sixth sense uh, that really good collaborators end up developing where you don't have to say what you want or need most of the time. You can really predict the other person's movements and not in a way that feels like that they are hackneyed, but just in a sense that like, we're just really tuned into each other's, I guess I'm going to say vibrations. Yep. I, I just said it. Vibrations. <laughs> it's okay to say it. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, what's your writing process? Do you write uh, every day? I don't. Every day, I think I should write every day, but then I don't. Then I then I I, I have um, a C. I'm I'm actually surrounded by about four different notebooks right now with bits of little songs, and then I'm writing things into my notes app in my phone, and then I'm writing stuff into my pages app on my computer. So I have like scraps of stuff everywhere and voice memos. And then it's the matter of um, getting back to them and kind of finishing songs. That's the part I'm not good at. Starting songs, I'm very good at. Um, finishing them, it takes a little bit more concentration and dedication. For instance, I'm working on a new record right now, uh, a follow-up to The Vanity Project, which is a record I did with the English singer-songwriter Stephen Duffy. I did that about 20 years ago, and we're doing a follow-up now. And I know I have some lyrics to finish. And every day I get to the studio and think, let's finish those lyrics. And then I find something else to do. So <laughs> it'll get done. It'll all get done. But that's, you know, sometimes you really have to force yourself. So in closing, can you just describe how special music is and why it's so important to us? Well, music, even if it doesn't have lyrics, I mean, I mean music is a way for all of us to express the things we can't express on our own. You know, I think when I'm writing a song, it's a gift. I try and make it a gift to somebody out there, somebody that I don't know and may never know who doesn't even know they need that song to help them process how they're feeling about something. Because the greatest pieces of music for me have taken me by surprise when I think, I didn't think anybody else had thought about that. Or even just instrumentally, it, it, it takes you to another place. And like I was saying earlier, it's a matter of like, does it comfort you? Or does it enhance a good feeling? Or does it help you concentrate on why you're feeling a certain way? Or does it help you uh, cover up the bad feelings? Like those are all valuable things. And, and music, more than I think just about any other art form, has that, has that power. Well, I can't wait for uh, everyone to see you May 2nd at City Winery. Uh, Boston is a special place for you, Stephen Page. And thank you for the joy and the music that you continue to give us. My pleasure. Great to talk to you. Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Bring along the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies to add a sprinkle of joy to your workday. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.